0: Hi, friends. Welcome back to the By His Grace podcast. It is Misty Phillip, and I am so glad that you have joined me today. You are in for a treat. I sit down with Bob and Linda Loditch to talk about finances, and I just love their perspective. They share their story about what God's done in their life, and I just love the way their book unfolds. They talk about earning all you can saving all you can, and giving all you can so that you can enjoy it all you can. It's so good. Bob is a certified financial advisor. He is the author of Simple Money, Rich Life, Achieve True Financial Freedom, and Design a Life with Eternal Impact. You know, if we are a conduit money's a tool. My husband always says, Misty, money is just a tool. And if we are used to make that money, save the money, use that money as a conduit to bless others, we can make a huge impact in the kingdom. So I'm excited to welcome Bob and Linda to the show today. And I encourage you to get their book, Simple Money, Rich Life.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.
0: Bob and Linda Lodick, I am so excited to have you on the By His Grace podcast today. Welcome.
2: Yeah, we're excited to be here. Thanks yeah. for having us. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You are the authors of Simple Money, Rich Life. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. This Your subtitle is Achieve True Financial Freedom. And isn't that something we all want? And design a life of eternal impact. And that is something that I really love is that eternal impact. But before we get into the book, I want to hear your background and your story and what led up to this. You say, Bob, that you're you're a money nerd. So how did all of this come about?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I didn't grow up being good with money. I was an absolute mess. Ended up finding myself broken down on the side of the road um, with $7 in my bank account, being stranded a thousand miles from home and having this moment with God where he's gently humbling me, where I'm realizing I don't know as much about money as I thought. Mm -hmm. I thought I had it all figured out. And this was kind of the sum of all of my financial decisions had led to this point where I'm just in this kind of crisis moment. And I remember like being in that situation, gripping the steering wheel, being so scared, so afraid, like I don't, you know, cause like that was just what was going on that day. But the reality is, is if I would have forecasted down a, a week or a month. Like my life was just becoming a big, big mess financially. And I remember grabbing that steering wheel and tears streaming screaming down my face, just like praying to God, like, I need help. I don't know what I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how to get out of this mess. I don't know how I got in this mess, but I know that you're capable, that like you are able to get me out of this. And, and from there, he led me on this, you know, long journey uh, of kind of working out of that as he began revealing things to me from his word. And as I began taking simple, small steps to kind of move forward financially And so it's been a long journey, but that was kind of where everything started for me. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit of my backstory there.
0: That's awesome. Okay, Linda, where did you enter the picture?
1: (laughs) So I uh, was always terrible with math. And I remember just praying to God when I was a kid and go, God, I need to marry someone who's good at math. And what I didn't, I didn't even know what to pray for. I just knew I needed help in this area. But, you know, I had been living in my parents' house and really had just about two bills, I think. And I had racked up so much credit card debt that I was getting calls from bill collectors because I was not paying my bills. Okay, I'm in my parents' house, right? Like they're paying for my toothpaste, everything. Like there was no reason for me to be in that position, but there I was and I had, I, I didn't know what to do or how to get out of it. So that that was my prayer. God. I want to marry someone who's good at math. <laughs> but, I mean, it's been really interesting going on this journey because when we got engaged and got married, he was a couple steps further down the road than me. About and
2: three weeks ahead of he, on he my journey. He was good
1: at math though. And so the, there was a huge thing there. And he was like, I, I know what to do with this mess. Let's get in there and let's like start sorting it out. Even though he didn't have the full picture at that point, he was interested in fixing the problem. And so, I mean, that that's a huge part of our story is having him be the money nerd and me being like, I, I'm not good at this. I don't really want to have much to do with it. (laughs) And how can we stay married? How can we have a happy marriage when he, this is so important to him and me, I'm just kind of like. Um, when we're so different. This is a mess you know? and I don't know what to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, and, and it doesn't matter
0: if we're talking about money or any other thing in life. When we think we know, but when we finally come to the end of ourselves and just say, I don't know, God, that's when we open up the door for him to come in. And he does far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. But yes. it's, yeah. it's our humbling ourselves and submitting to him in his ways. And then... Figuring out through his word, how can I do this better? And so it yeah. sounds like you both were in a surrendered position and a humbled position. And that's the best position to be in as far yeah. as I'm concerned, because that's when God can do, because we'll mess it up every time in our own strength. Right. But when yeah. we lean on him, he's going to show us the way. So yeah. yeah. Your financial philosophy is different than other financial philosophies that I've read. And I I loved it from the the time that I picked up the book, which is fantastic, by the way. Thank you. But you divide it into like four main parts. So the first one is Mm -hmm. save all you can. The next one is earn all you can. Then give all you can and enjoy it all. So we're going to break down each one of those concepts because I think there's something that the audience can take away from each one of those. So let's start with save all you can. So explain your philosophy behind saving all you can and why is this important?
2: Yeah. So I think just stepping back. So those four parts really came out of a quote from John Wesley that I've always loved where, you know, anybody doesn't know a preacher from the, I guess, 18th 19th century, and John was unique in that he was a preacher who traveled and wrote books from all over England, and tried to earn as much money as he possibly could. And I think some people hear of a preacher doing that, and they, I don't know, might not sit well with them. But the fact is, is that he understood that he could take his gifts, the things that he had God had put in him, use them to impact people's lives. And then the byproduct of that would be some money that could then be used again to impact people's lives as he gave it to different causes and things. And so he had this quote that I just love so much where he said, I earn as much as I can by writing and by preaching. And then I save or reduce my expenses as much as possible, you know, just so I'm not wasting anything. And I do all of that just so that I can give as much as I possibly can. And that quote has just always stuck with me. And so that kind of became a little bit of the framework of this book was, you know, cause it's, it's been something that we've lived by for years and we've modeled our financial, whatever philosophy, like you're talking about based off of that. So with all of that in mind, I'm starting with the save component of this. Mm-hmm. It's really easy. And a lot of us, well, I'll say it this way. It's just harder now to manage our money in a way where we're really on top of everything. Because if we go back 50 years from now, it's like everything was cash and then maybe checks and you need a checkbook or something. But now everything's so much more convoluted and it's just messy. And there's multiple credit cards and there's Venmo and there's PayPal and there's all this different stuff that's going. And there's so many people that don't really know what's going on with their finances. And that the effect of that is that there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of stuff falling between the cracks. And so maybe this is like, Even unused subscriptions like the average American has well over a thousand dollars a year that they're spending on subscriptions that they don't even remember or know about. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's so much that's falling through the cracks for all of us. And the result of that is just money that's wasted on things that we don't even care about when it could be used for things that we do care about or to advance God's kingdom in some way by you know, giving to an organization to make an impact or anything else. So that's where this all starts.
0: Yeah, I love that philosophy. And it's the philosophy of my Bible study teacher at my church. His name is Mark Lanier. He is a trial attorney. He's one of the best trial attorneys in the country when he was in college he shares the story of wanting to be a pastor and he was really he was studying um like greek and hebrew and biblical languages he was very gifted at that but he also had this affinity for law and becoming an attorney and he was counseled to become an attorney because the person said you will have way more impact in the kingdom, if you are the best mm. attorney that you can be and turn around and use yeah. your resources. And so mm. that's what he's done. He has yeah. a theological library and a foundation and he trains people all over the world. And he has a Bible study class that's the size of or larger than small churches, you know. So he still oh, wow. is a very successful attorney. But just the way I've seen them with the the organizations that they give and the things that they've been able to do with those kingdom resources, that inspired me when I started Spark, not to start it as a ministry, but to start it as a business. Because if I it as a mm-hmm. business, I can have more impact in the kingdom if I'm a kingdom entrepreneur. And it sounds yeah. like a very similar philosophy. All right, well, let's get into the next part, which is earn all you can. Because I think for some Christians, that might feel a little uncomfortable. Like, is that okay for me to earn money? So can we talk about that a little bit?
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the big part here is, and we talk about this a lot, just this idea that the thing, you read through the New Testament and there's plenty of warnings about money. Um, but when you take a holistic uh, view of it all, like the common denominator is that, it's always about our heart. Mm -hmm. Uh There's this connection between our heart and in God and money in this component here. And I think the problem that uh, the temptation for a lot of us as believers, and really, I think all of us are tempted by this is to start replacing God with money in certain areas of our life, you know, and so subtly we're serving mammon in this little way that we didn't realize. And so maybe that's as simple as you got this job offer and it's like, And the only question you ask is if it pays more and that's the determining factor, whether or not you could take that job. And like just that right there, like, I think if we're honest, that's choosing to serve mammon rather than serving God. And so there's so many subtle ways that it creeps up, but the point in all of this is we need to have our hearts right. And when we have our hearts right and they're oriented towards God, and we understand that money is simply a tool that can be used to advance his kingdom. And it's not something that we place our identity in. It's not something that we're lusting after, after as if that's our source of security or that's our source of provision, then when we're doing that right, we posture ourselves in a way where we can earn all we can through righteous means and for righteous causes and purposes behind that to be able to make a significant impact, just like you were talking about with your lawyer friend. And that's what we're after. That's what I want to be when I grow up. Like I want to be somebody who can be entrusted with a high income or whatever else, because my heart's in the right position that God can use me that way. You know?
0: Yeah. too much is given, much is required. And, but I love that you said it's a tool. That's what my husband always says. He says, baby, money is just a tool. It's, it's, it's just a tool and we can use it in the kingdom for great impact if we are doing the right things, if we're making the money and we're, we're saving the money, earning it, but then there's that giving component. And my husband is way more generous. Like I am very giving of my time and, 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 and other areas, but he's got, like huge generosity that can be scary to me sometimes right because women you know we have this need for financial security and so I think that is kind of at the heart of, of driving at some of that and but his heart is always so generous so would love to speak to give all you can because that seems like you're giving a lot
1: yeah I mean I think there's a huge adventure that we get to go on with God when we say yes to a life of generosity. Amen. I mean, I, I think that we're holding, it's like we're putting God in a box if we can't be free with it. Yeah. And, you know, going back to this thing about the heart, it's like the questions that you ask yourself in those positions, when you get in those positions really reveal a lot to us about what's in there that we didn't even know before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what we have found is just that, living a life of generosity is so much more fun and so much better and so much more blessed like i think we feel more content in what we have when we're giving i think um we notice the things that god is actually doing for us more when we're Mm -hmm. giving and you know to be honest there's been some times where it's been like this is this is a big one and you know we're (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's sometimes when we're like, sure, just give it, you know, and and it's really easy, but there are definitely times when it's like, okay, all right, let's take a second. Let's really pray about this. Make sure that this is the thing we're supposed to be doing. And then let's get in faith and trust God that if he says he's our provider, that he is actually going to provide. And when we do that and then we see what he does, I mean, there is, I don't want to say the results because we're not after results, but like what God has done in our lives is so far beyond what is almost believable. Yeah. Like it, it's, it sounds like a movie sometimes where it just doesn't make sense that that's how it worked out. But really, yeah. I feel like because we've just said yes to this, God's like, okay, now you get to watch what I can do. And yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think we're both sold on this as being the best way to live.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, just our obedience,
1: there's blessing tied to our
0: obedience, whether it has to do with obedience in in how we handle our finances or in our gifting and our calling or whatever area that may be. When we submit to God, then it's not our responsibility. It's His, right? And we can't outgive God. I mean, He owns everything. He's got the cattle on a thousand hill. He spoke the world into existence. He's beyond time and space. Like He's got the whole world in his hands right so and and i think that the heart of your book and everything that i'm hearing from you it's about the heart and it's about the posture of our heart but then when we live open-handedly with it then it's a big adventure that we can go on with jesus sometimes might be a little scary but not scary like we're not afraid because we don't have fear we have faith and then it's fun to see what god does with that obedience and with that seeds the seeds that we plant yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely Yeah. Okay. So now enjoy
1: it all. Talk to me about wow. enjoying it all. It's a good one. So, I mean, we actually added this in when we were originally talking about this book. Bob was saying, I think it's this three part thing. And I said, what if we add enjoy it in there too? Because really, I think that there is a secret in that, that all of this stuff doesn't have to be awful and hard. And, you know, you can enjoy your work. You can enjoy being fulfilled in your purpose. You can enjoy figuring out your finance. Like this, this actually can be done. And I'm here to testify. (laughs) If this cannot be a huge burden in my life, then it's possible for anyone. Really? I I do believe that. And you can enjoy giving in a way that is just, it makes your life so much more rich and so much better. So, I mean, yeah, you, you talk more about this too, but
2: no, I mean, I this think was that's an important
1: part for us. I that's think. the
2: biggest part for me, because, yeah, like you're saying, I've seen so many people I talk to so many people who are miserable in their jobs, mm-hmm. miserable at the work they're doing, who just uh, anytime I I hate I set a budget up and I just I hate I hate thinking about money. I hate all this stuff. Yeah. And then plenty of people obviously hate giving, hate the thought of that, feel like I'm throwing money away. And that's what I want people to understand is that all of these different aspects of our financial life can be enjoyable. There is a way to do it. And I think when you do it God's way, when you do it in his uh, his approach and his Mm -hmm. his balance with all this, that it actually is sweet and it has these beautiful byproducts to it, you know? And I think it's like that with all kinds of things in the kingdom, but, but finances are one of those that, I mean, I feel like I've seen up close and personal, like how different it can look when you do it the right way, you know?
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that, like about the difference between maybe the way that the world says to to manage your money and what God says.
1: Well, I mean, I think one of the things, one of the big things is that the world says to hoard your money, make as much as you can and be as rich as you can and put it away and save for later, save for retirement, all this stuff. And there, there's a standard, like even now we're watching just on social media and things, we're watching the pressure of what the world is putting on every single person that you should look a certain way, have certain things, you know, and then, Oh, if you're not saving for retirement and Oh, if you're not, you know, if your house isn't beautiful and everything's not always clean, like there's a lot of pressure and it can make you feel like you, you can't keep up. I, I know I can't, I cannot yeah. keep up. Yeah. And yeah. God says, I mean, he, he tells us in his word, what we're worth. He tells us like how the price that he paid for us and how much he loves us. And that, that is what, where our value truly comes from. He has given us purpose. And like in that also not the hoarding, the giving, like we can find purpose in our life by giving and creating, creating an opportunity for people who would maybe have never known about him to know about him.
2: Yeah.
1: And that, that's a big one for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, and one of the pieces I'll add to this too, cause you know, the, the book, like you said, it's broken down these four parts. We're talking about earning all you can saving all you can giving all you can. and I think there's a knee jerk reaction for some people where it's like, I don't want to, you know, the, the hustle and grind culture of Kevin O'Leary from shark tank. It has this <laughs> hilarious quote where I see it and I just laugh at it. I mean, and it's really sad, but essentially he says working 24 hours a day is no longer enough. You have to be willing to sacrifice your friends, your family, everything in order to be successful. And so I could not disagree more, Yeah. but, you know, obviously the hard work um, is a biblical component. And, mm-hmm. you know, God created us to work like That's we are right. designed to work. But at the same time, he designed us to rest. And I think so many people miss out on this. And so when we say work Or earn all you can. That doesn't mean work whatever hundred hours a week in order to do that. It means um, what that looks like in your context. And so, you know, we have a chapter in the book specifically about Sabbath because this is such an important part of the balance of how God does things. Mm -hmm. And 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 we've seen this in our lives. We've seen this in some of our students' lives where God will. Do those crazy things where it's like you work six days, you give me that seventh day and I'll make your business double and triple and whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one crazy anecdotal thing I was reading as we were researching this book, Chick-fil-A, by being open six days a week, has higher revenues than I think it's like Subway and Burger King and like three or four other restaurants all combined, you know, working only six days a week. And so there's just so much to that aspect of rest that the world just doesn't understand, Mm -hmm. you know, but as we as believers have that opportunity to enjoy the rest and then reap the benefits of it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Sabbath is the one commandment in the 10 commandments that I think is broken probably more than anything and people don't even think about it. Now kids are having, you know, baseball games and soccer games on Sunday, just the whole Everything is just crowded, but our family, we have made a point in recent years to really Sabbath, and what does that mean? And like I was getting burned out with all that I'm doing with Spark Media and our podcasts, and Spark Media has so many different components to it, and I was speaking a lot, I spoke 18 times last year, and at the end of the year... I was completely burned out and wanted to walk away from it all. And instead, I took the entire month of December off. And some people might go, what? That is crazy. That's insane. And I just spent time with my family. I took a trip with my boys. I spent time with my husband. I did some some things with them that I just don't have the opportunity to do. And it was amazing how that walking away, like that's part of us being able to come back refreshed. And we don't do anybody any good if we're completely burned out and just work, work, work all the time. And so I love that you um, put that in the book because I think a lot of people are missing out on that. And then I wanted to speak to what you said, Linda, because a lot of people are finding their purpose and their identity in what they have, where they work, all of these different things. But our identity comes in Christ. And I think a lot of that, there's a big struggle for a lot of of people on social media because of the comparison trap of comparing, you know, other people and what they have and where they are. And, and my husband's always telling me, he's like, baby, just keep your eyes on the, you know, keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus and do the thing he's called you to do. And don't worry about what these other people are doing. They're on a different journey than you are. And that's okay. But when we understand that our identity is in Christ and we just hold it all very open-handedly to Him, then, then He can work in and in through us and we become a conduit, right? And I, I think the same thing is, is true with our money. Once we've proven ourselves to be good stewards, then He can entrust us with more because we've been a good steward. So I always say don't despise those humble beginnings, right? Be faithful wherever you are. So if there's someone listening who may be struggling with their finances, I know a lot of people are going through a lot of really hard things right now. And the economy can be kind of scary with all the chatter in the world. What would you say to someone who is in a place of struggle?
2: Yeah, uh, I think the first thing, I mean, you know, and hopefully no one will dismiss this as cliche, but start with God. Mm -hmm. Start by praying. And I say that because, not because we don't think to pray, but I think a lot of times we forget to pray to invite God into our financial world. yeah, and there's so many people that have just segmented that and um, and separated that, uh, like, wait, God is interested in what's going on with my finances And it's like, well, yes, of course he is. So let's invite him into that equation. Uh, and within that, we've found, as we you know, because we went many years not doing that and then all of a sudden began inviting God in. and when we did, We found him leading us to take steps in, you know, practical steps oftentimes. And there, you know, there's a, I think, a response for both of us. So it's like, well, I don't really want to do that. Can you do it another way, God? Like, I don't (laughs) really want to have to build a budget. Uh I don't want to have to try to pay off debt. Can you just fix it and make it all go away? Mm And, you know, and you read through the Bible and you'll just see this time and time again. How many times was there a miracle where God required the person to do something, take a a practical step before the miracle came? Mm -hmm. And you see this over and over again. And you think about, you know, Peter on the boat, like having to actually take that step. It was a foolish step after he'd been fishing all night to just throw those nets over the side. But he would not have seen that abundance that Jesus wanted to provide for him. Had he not taken that practical step? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and again, like the uh, loaves and the fishes and that whole thing, it's like there's something there. They had to start passing the bread out, start passing the fish out before they saw that miracle. And so that's my encouragement to anyone listening. Start by praying, but then start taking some of those practical steps because it's in through that, through those actions that I believe you're going to start seeing the miracles in your finances.
0: That's, Absolutely. that's fantastic. Well, y'all, this has been great. The book is Simple Money, Rich Life. Y'all check it out. And you've got a podcast as well. So um, why don't we close by telling the listeners about your podcast?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's called Seed Time Money, um, and yeah, and we just have conversations similar to you yep. with um, other people, and Lynn and I chat about all kinds of stuff, <laughs> encouraging people with their finances.
0: Yep. All right, I love it. We'll put links to everything in the show notes. Thank y'all for being a guest on By yeah. His Grace. Thank you, Misty. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphilip.com for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Phillip, and I would love to connect with you there.